I don't know what they have to say. It makes no difference anyway. Whatever it is, I'm against it. No matter what it is or who commenced it, I'm against it. Your proposition may be good, but let's have one thing understood. Whatever it is, I'm against it. And even when you've changed it or condensed it, I'm against it. I'm opposed to it. On general principles, I'm opposed to it. Hey, I'm Michael Patton. I'm really excited about this because I am going to be able to shut down everything that Samson says. And I should be able to do that because I'm the president of Credo Office Ministries, and I've got this THM from DTS. Now listen to what he has to say. Hey, I'm Samson Kovach. I'm from the Theology Pit, and I'm really excited that Michael's going to shut down everything that I have to say. Uh, that's, that makes me excited. I have a MAR from uh, TSM. <laughs> I'll just, I'll say it like that. This is Divergent Theology, where we take topics. Michael and I both have bit different backgrounds theologically, and we sort of clash them together. And we, we see what happens when the world of theology actually doesn't agree with itself. All right, welcome to the Divergent Theology. It is uh, good to see you guys again. I'm back, and I'm back in my house, and ready to get divergent with Sam here. Been having a, a good time today, my... Uh, my wife's father got coronavirus, so we've been running around as a family trying to get tested and everything else, and he's going to be all right. I think he's already on the downside of it, but uh, ha had a good time with that. And uh, Sam, I just got done playing basketball, so I might be <laughs> a little bit sweaty here. Oh, that's all right. We, we can we can, son. we can take care of that in post-op. Don't worry about it. We get yeah, it. I, I was just teaching my kids humility, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's what it that's is. It. That's it. Now, Michael, you couldn't you couldn't make it. I don't know if you got a chance to watch the video. I didn't put out last. I, I, I did. Well, I watched half of it. OK. All right. So I did show how we attempted. I know. I saw that. We did our best. We really did. But then uh -huh. um, I, I figured, hey, might as well watch a Camaro theologian and set you straight on some things. Well, I'm glad so, you did. Uh, <laughs> I need to be, especially on the gospel. You know, I don't, I don't want to get that one wrong. <laughs> well, it wasn't so much on on the gospel, which was interesting. It was you were saying, "What is Christianity?" Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And then you kept slipping into the gospel and just yeah. the gospel message, and I'm like, "Whoa, wait, wait!" But you know what? I think it's going to be good. Is this new course you're working on? It's really going to help you spell out like a lot of that stuff. Like, what's the difference between that that essential and then the definition? Because, oh, yeah. Yeah. because Christians don't articulate the gospel in the exact same way. Yeah. Um, but we have a lot of those key similar things. And the things we seem to diverge from is where we get denominationalism. It, it is. And, you know, um, it's it, the course that I'm creating is called uh, Of First Importance, you know, taken from First uh, Corinthians chapter 15 in verse four, whenever Paul said, I delivered to you, which was of first importance. And just just it's a doctrinal hierarchy. It's just trying to help people to understand how to d distinguish between the most important things and those things that are less important, those things that are worth dying for and those things that aren't worth dying for. And, you know, sometimes that's what we do. We die for anything that we're passionate 
passionate about. And there's nothing wrong with being passionate about lots of stuff. I mean, that's that's the way the world functions. People get passionate about, you know, uh, construction and, and uh, you know, uh, building space shuttle, all kinds of stuff that are really, really passionate about. But yeah. when it comes to Christianity, yeah. sometimes that translates into anger, separation and all kinds of things that are unnecessary. Uh, in the divisions. And then it's kind of just saying, okay, what are those things that are the center? And I, I draw these circles, you know, this, this center circle, the one right outside of it and so on. What's at the very center of our faith and what are the most important things? And so I'm really excited about that class because I've taught it a lot, but I've never put together a full course on this particular subject. And so uh, there, there's not that much material out there. There's actually one book that's been written that's uh, huh. decent that uh, has to do with this. But other than that, uh, there's not much out there. There's there's failed mentions of it. There's sometimes explicit mentions of it. The best I found, it's Francis, not Francis Turton, but um, no, Francis Turton. Maybe it is. Mm-hmm. No, no, it's Pannenberg. Sorry. How do I get those mixed up? Pannenberg, he really does do well in trying to figure out a doctrinal hierarchy at the very beginning. And so I, I really appreciate that, even though I disagree with him on a lot of this stuff. But hey, that's what, that's kind of what got me going on it. I've been reading Pannenberg and and wanted to I said, why don't we just take this to the next level? Because he does so well in establishing that it's necessary and that um, that there's divisions and, and that sort of stuff and going through the history of it, but not about, well, let's get confident in what is the most important thing. So anyway, yeah. And his first name is Wolfheart. So how can you beat that, right? Hey, man, can you can you imagine having that name? You you are automatically a theologian when you you're born. Either that or a football player. Those are your only <laughs> your only options. Harry football player, Wolfhart. <laughs> That's great. Good stuff. Well, um, did you want to uh, sort of pick up what we were initially wanting to discuss? Yeah, with the last one that we did, or did you want to run with something new? So if you want to do that, because I thought that was a great topic. I didn't share too much to um you know wet people's appetites with that last video i didn't want to spill no, the no, I too much I know on it. it i saw it so i i know and how much you shared about it but yeah that's yeah, what i love because i i thought it was i mean when we were talking about the stuff that i edited out i was like man this is really good this is a good um way to look at this so uh yeah pitch it and uh let's let's have a discussion right. here well let's just try to let's try to stir the pot and stir the pot with you and with others and just see where we go with this because what i'm interested sam i really am I mean, whenever I was thinking about this earlier today, I was like, how am I going to approach this? I mean, am I am I trying to tell him something that I already believe about this or something that is just going to create a discussion? Because for the most part, all I've been able to do is have discussions about this. There's not something that I come down on and you're going to see me banging the table mm-hmm. passionately saying this is the way you need to look at it. It just it's just one of those things that causes me to scratch my head. And I'm interested in in just having a discussion with you about it for a little bit and seeing what you think. Yeah, I mean, well, see, the problem here is that you've given me a week to sit there and like <laughs> mull this over. But at the same time, I, I just finished up two weeks of my ordination exams. So I haven't had a lot of time to like throw into it, you know, but um, yeah, the more I think about it, I'm sitting there going, well, I mean, we'll get into it because these bring up like like questions that people have had about about, um, you know, theodicy. And yeah. that I've always been able to sort of explain away. But we, Theodicy being the defense of God, right? Uh, yes, yes, that that um, that there is that there is evil in the world. 
that yeah. you know bad things do happen um but but this kind of it, it, in a way we'll throw like a, a almost a monkey wrench in like this is going to be this is going to be one where yes yeah, as, as deep as we go into this i'm going to be struggling with my personal theology i think at the end of this discussion like yeah. in this area like this is going to be one to to kind of wrestle with so yeah so kick it off and 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 you know preach it here all right, well, let me let me get you to a passage that I think is a really good passage, and it's not one of the typical ones people go to whenever we talk about this subject. And really, it's just about, I mean, if, if somebody wants to know, what are we talking about today? It's just kind of moral dilemmas with God. You know, I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's what I'm trying to deal with. I'm trying to see it in a way, and I teach my kids about this. I mean, I bring up this verse quite a bit sometimes mm-hmm. in, in a very serious way and in a joking way uh, because it does create a – it does – monkey wrench is a, good, is a good word for it. But in 1 Samuel chapter 16, there's a situation where Samuel is – He's, uh, you know, God has has rejected Saul, the first king of Israel, as king. Samuel liked Saul, but uh, you know, he he tried and tried to get Saul to to straighten up, but Saul wouldn't straighten up, and he was just, you know, kind of off on his own agenda. And so God said, "Hey, I've rejected you, and now I am choosing somebody else." And Saul obviously didn't like it. You know, he wasn't just going to bow down to whoever comes next. But Samuel was in charge of this, and Samuel had to go anoint the next king. And this is the situation. So now it says, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have selected a king for myself among his sons. Now listen to this. Here, here's the dilemma, this verse. But Samuel said, how can I go? When Saul hears of it, he will kill me. Now that's a reasonable thing, you know? I mean, yeah, yeah. Saul, he, he seemed like a crazy guy to me. You know, he, he seemed like somebody that was off his right. And as we go through the rest of the story, we see he is, you know, he's mm-hmm. kind of... He's a King Herod type, you know, ready to kill anybody that tries to threaten his throne. Yeah. And we see that among, among most kings throughout history. I mean, it's just it's just horrid the things that they'll do, even to their own family members. Mm-hmm. But but here he goes and he asks a reasonable question to, to God. Here's God of the universe. Here's God who's in control of everything. And Samuel's nervous. He's nervous to fulfill a command that God just gave him. And I think it's I think it's kind of interesting just that alone that he asked this question of God. I mean, gosh, if if you know it's God and he says, go do this, you don't just kind of sit there and say, well, you know what? I don't think it's going to work out, God. But he does. So it comforts me. That's that's a side note. Yeah. It, it yeah. comforts me that he he gets confused even whenever he is hearing God's word clearly. And then he asked a question. He's going to kill me. And the Lord's take a heifer with you and say now I've looked at the Hebrew and everything else in this and seeing if I could try to come up with it another way but it just I think it's a good translation here take a horn with oil with or a heifer with you and say I have come to sacrifice to the Lord now I don't know if you caught that but the the dilemma is, well you tell me the dilemma see I well you talk for all right, so here, he, so here's the thing, because because you already, you know, I, I already knew this verse was coming up, and and yeah. kind of looking into it, and my defense mechanism, my Christian defense mechanism is, 
Oh, hey there, everyone. Did you know that it has not been scientifically proven that you become closer to God by listening to these podcasts or watching these videos? That's right. Science has nothing to do with this, but you are increasing your knowledge about God. Hopefully you are engaging your brain with us and thinking, ah, I disagree with these guys or I really like what they're saying. Either way, continue to listen and continue to watch and really stretch your mind, engage your mind for Christ. That's what we're called to do as Christians. Um, you can check out our websites at thetheologypit.com or credohouse.org and you can get tons of great merchandise like this. Now, buying these mugs and t-shirts is not going to keep you out of purgatory, but you know, do you really want to take that chance? I sure don't. Oh, it's good theology right there. Yeah. Well, there wasn't a sacrifice that was supposed to take place, but because God gave him that idea, said, take it, it was then a decree. It was then a command. And so therefore that's my wiggle room out of, um, you know, Samuel resorting to subterfuge to get in to speak with Jesse and his son. <laughs> I guess you use subterfuge. There you go. I, I know, but, but that's, so I know, but, but no, but that's my way of, of, of saying, okay, you know, God's not not telling him to lie if what God says is true and God yeah. says, take a heifer and say you're going to go do a sacrifice. There's nothing in there that says he didn't do a sacrifice. Okay. No, no, and, you're right. You're yeah, right. And he and probably so, did. Yeah. And I would assume so because he invited everybody to it. I mean, it was just, you know, it, it was known. But at the same time, it, it's it, it it almost in my mind devalues the sacrifice yeah, it, yeah. you know that's good, that's good. I, I didn't even thought about that yeah because god is is now using something that that has sacred importance to just use as uh, okay use that as like a cover or like a common thing it really it really has no meaning it's just it, it's just to kind of get you in the door so i yeah. had more of a problem with that than that's i did of of you know kind of him him saying okay well this is how we're going to make something up for you to get in there. Hmm. Hmm. I'll have to put a put that on the hanger for a second because that is interesting and think about it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, the, the other thing is just basically this. OK, you, you got to go. I guess you got a few options. Let me let me try to run through them if I can remember. Number yeah, one, yeah. God lied straight out. Right. And we don't want to take that, right? Well, well explain he, explain how do you think God lied? Because I, I was having a hard time, like, really grasping that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, God doesn't sin. Lying's a sin. Mm -hmm. And so, but but as we're going to talk about in a minute, there's all kinds of situations that seem to necessitate at least this moral dilemma to where neither side looks real good. Yeah. But but here's, here's the thing. God did it, and uh, God knew what he was doing, and God— can lie it's not a sin you can say that set that aside god didn't sin well, that's whatever. just that's just molinism yeah yeah it is no good <laughs> god lies about all the other multi-universes and it's not a sin there you go <laughs> he's existing in one of them and, and does that <laughs> okay so let's say he's it, it is uh it's not a sin and we're, we're looking at this and we're saying okay it's it's not wrong though because god 
uh, gave him another option. You know, Samuel doesn't want to die. He knows that this is going to happen. But if he does take a heifer with him, that's all he has to tell Saul. So therefore, he is withholding the truth from Saul uh, or from yeah, yeah from King Saul yeah, yeah. and um, keeping him in the dark about one uh, intention of his visit, the main intention, and creating a new intention in order to cover that main intention. Mm -hmm. So that seems like what's going on. It seems like what you were talking about just a moment ago. Yeah. Now, but, now the problem is with me is, okay, not only is it hard, but does that give us permission to do the same? Because I, in just about every situation, can, 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 do this, do this movement that God made in order to cover the mm -hmm. truth. Let's say, let's say I, uh, you know, somebody says uh, to me, you know, my wife, let's say I, uh, well, this is, I don't know why I go so extreme here, but let's say I'm out <laughs> cheating on my wife, right? And I get home and she's like, where have you been? And I say, on the way home, I'm thinking to myself, I, I don't want to lie. So I'm going to run by 7-Eleven and I'm going to go to to my friend's house. I'm going to go to a couple places so that I can tell her other places I've been. So she mm -hmm. says, where have you been? I said, I went to 7-Eleven. And she said, no, you're gone too long. I said, well, I went to 7-Eleven and Wayne's. And she said, well, okay, you were, you were still gone a little bit too long. Oh, I also stopped at the grocery store and got this. So you can say all kinds of things and build a case around any type of lie that you want to that you want to give mm -hmm. and, and tell it instead now now she could get real real technical and i think anybody could have and saul could have gotten real technical and said is that all you did you know uh is that all you're going to do samuel is go uh, okay let me ask you straight out are you are you doing are you going to sacrifice are, are you going to anoint somebody else king so all he did was create a situation where it was possible for for um, uh, Samuel to get out of it. Then mm -hmm. um, it guarantee it in the sense of any everyday circumstance, but guaranteed it in the sense of maybe God is saying, hey, just maybe here's what God wanted to say, because God does do this, it seems, in the Bible. He he puts up with our own weaknesses and kind of condescends to it in order to just kind of get get to the next situation, get over it. Uh, and and he, he sometimes just says, fine. Many times with Moses, it was kind of like, OK, fine, you know, uh, um, do this. Or, I can't even think of the situation now. But he, he seems to, in this case, maybe say, hey, maybe he wanted to say, just trust me. I mean, <laughs> I told you to go, and I'll take care of you. You don't even need to ask this question. So if Samuel would have just went at that point, mm -hmm. uh, probably he would have been fine. I, that's what I suspect. I don't think God's going to, you know, uh, go, oh, my gosh, I forgot to give him a, something to tell uh, Saul um, in order to get away with this because he's going to get in trouble. And so Saul comes up and kills him, and God's like, "Oh man, you know, I should have, I should have given, I should have seen that coming." No, God, God didn't have to tell him that, but maybe Samuel's nervous, and he needs a human way to get through this. This is another option that he needs a human way to get through this, and God is allowing him to to lie in order just to get past this situation, hmm. because it's not God lying, right? Yeah, but yeah. He, here's so. This is something that, that kind of caught my ear with this, okay? Um, the fact that he's taking a bull with him, okay? Now, wasn't a bull what the priest was to sacrifice for his own sin? 
In, in Leviticus, it's spelled out that, you know, before he can make a sacrifice for the people, it's usually that's reserved for specifically for it. So is it Samuel's sin of disobedience to God by not wanting to go because he's afraid of Saul that that God it get, then gives God the room to say, all right, then get a bull for a sacrifice and go. But, but he's not a priest. Hmm. He's a prophet, so he doesn't. I mean, he doesn't technically have the ability to do that, does he? I don't know. I I, I don't know if he does or not because because I mean, the only other thing, and like I said, this is my self defense, like jumping up here with yeah, this yeah. trying to trying to work everything out. But my my only other thing is that, well, whatever God says is good. So even if we know it to be evil, if God has said it, then that that is what makes it good. It, nothing is intrinsically good. It's only good if if God says it. And I don't want to kind of you know, wander off into that realm of yeah. where anything goes, you know? And, and so what is that called? What is that called? Uh, uh, God's called something technical. Um, ah, forget it. I don't know. But, uh, but so that's why I'm, I'm trying to weasel divine my way. Theory. Divine command theory. Okay. That's, that's the idea that everything's good just because God says it is. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than he himself being good. Yeah. And him acting good because he's already good. Now, a bull is also um, what was used for um, for the people, you know, for their um, for their sins also. So after the high priest, you know, uh, a, a sacrifice for himself, and then then the men also that came next, the the people. Um, so it, it, I mean, you, you could weasel your way around that, but I'm just I'm not I'm not completely satisfied with it. Well, let's see yeah, if I have. Yeah. Let me see if I have another one here to to throw in and, and get us messed up. Um, this is this, this one you've probably heard before. I've heard it, you know, many times, and this was brought up in this same kind of context uh, in seminary a few times to mm-hmm. to get us rattled, and um, and I think it really does the same thing. And I think it may help us at least extend the problem. <laughs> See, it's not isolated, but also maybe give us another vantage point at what God may be doing. Yeah, because I think I think in the end, I do think there's a message here, and I think it's it's an important message about the character of God and what he what he does. Obviously, but uh, we'll have to get there. Hold on, I'll, I'll tell it to you in a little bit. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. So, First Kings chapter twenty-two, verse nineteen. I don't know if you want to go there. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm turning to right now in my trusty Net Bible first edition. There you go, first edition. Was it first printing? Yep. Well, I mean, I had it on back order, so I'm assuming that it was because that was like November of 2005 when yeah, it came out. And I All was, you have to do is go to Proverbs chapter four and see if there's a one eight hundred number in the notes. No, it's not that one. I, ah, I yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, I've got one. I know. I know. Well, maybe somewhere. it's not because I've I have a couple of them. It was it was that Proverbs, which one? Proverbs chapter four, I believe it was the sexually loose woman. Okay, <laughs> you might have to tell that story while I'm looking it up. People are going to be like, "What?" Then that Bible. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, there's all kinds of things that are funny about Bibles. If you look through the the gaffes in the history of Bible making, mm-hmm. especially in first printings, you know, whether where you got the King James and it's called the Adulterer's Bible because yeah. it says thou shalt commit adultery, and uh, there's a, there's a bunch of them out there. I actually wrote a blog on it once with a bunch of them, but uh, <laughs> the Net Bible I think is the funniest because they have tons of notes at the bottom, just like a lot of Bibles does. But the Net Bible N E T New English Translation um, has has just t- look at those notes. I mean that that's about every page on uh, in the Net Bible. 
But whenever it's talking about the uh, sexually loose woman in uh, Proverbs chapter four, a, a guy uh, that, that I know a seminary, uh, one of the professors, uh, uh, Gordon Johnson, was translating it, and he got a call on the phone, and he was writing notes too. And he got a call on the phone, and it was from this credit card or something like that to where they were offering him a deal, and he really wanted to take it, but he was right in the middle of a thought, and he asked for the number to call him back, and he couldn't find a pen to write down the number, so he put it in the notes of that Bible, and it made it in the printing, and it <laughs> happened to be right at the place where it says the sexually loose woman, and it has a a, uh, a number right by it, like footnote number four, and you go down there, and it's a, it's a telephone number. <laughs> That's awesome. See all the fun stuff you learn on Divergent Theology. But <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> okay, but back to back to 1 Kings. Okay, 1 Kings chapter 22, verse 19. Um, it, it says, uh, and Micaiah said, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, all the host of heaven standing by him on his right and his left. And the Lord said, no, no, notice here. I mean, just the... The cool thing that that you have mm -hmm. set up, I mean, you have you have this this prophet who is standing before the Lord or seeing what's going on, at least in this the, the place where God's presence or his his uh, not not uh, it's just what, what we know of heaven, kind of whenever we think of heaven. And here he is on his throne and he has the host of heaven standing by him on his right and his left. So you got this this whole host. Who are the host? Well, we don't know yet. It says, and the Lord said, who will entice Ahab, the king, King Ahab, he's uh, the, the northern king of Israel, to go and fall at Ramoth Gilead. And that's, he wants him to go to war because he wants to entice him so that he will go and get defeated. He was not a good king. He was an evil king. And so God is in heaven and it looks like he's working to see how he's going to work this out. And we get a glimpse of it. And mm -hmm. he says, who will entice Ahab to go and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said this while another said that. It's really interesting. Can you imagine this, seeing this, yeah. this council and all these all these hosts, whatever they are, and the reason why I don't say angels yet is because we haven't gotten to the verse I'm talking about, but all these people saying, well, how about this? <laughs> it's this council, and God's taking advice from people. Uh -huh. Isn't that funny? I mean, it's, I don't know. I think it's cool. Yeah, as well, it says heavenly assembly in the, uh, the authorized net version. Oh, yeah. There you <laughs> go. Authorized net version. <laughs> Um, and so he asked the question, everybody's talking about it. And then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. And the Lord says, how? Because everybody's been telling him how, you know, there's probably a bunch of people saying that. And so the Lord says how, and he said, I will go and be a deceiving spirit in the mouth of his prophets. And then the Lord said, you are to entice him and prevail, go and do so. So notice here, I mean, obviously, here, let me step back and see if you can tell me the problem here. Okay. Hey, thanks for listening to Divergent Theology. You can visit our websites at credohouse.org or thetheologypit.com and make a donation. Support the ministry that way. Now, here's a quick look at next week's Divergent Theology. We, we still have to get back to this thing. Is, is, is slight deception for the purpose of God, is that a sin? And I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced that this is in the realm of sin right now. I don't know. 
I mean, I'm, I don't know either. It's every time I think about it, because like I said, I do get into situations. Let's say, forget about the adultery one and go to 7-Eleven, but let's go to a better situation to where you're lying because you don't want, you don't want to hurt somebody. 